Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. From Mamma Mia, welcome to The Spill, your daily pop culture fix. I'm Laura Brodnick, I'm Head of Entertainment here at Mamma Mia, and today I'm joined by, I feel like I need announcement music. (laughs) Hi, I'm Katie Stowe, I'm Mamma Mia's Deputy Editor, which is the first time I've said that out loud. (laughs) She got a promotion, she's fancy, you're technically my boss now. (sighs) Look, we can discuss that later. We'll have a meeting. (laughs) Calendar invite comes in. (laughs) But yes, I am excited to be on the pod every Friday for the next few weeks until Key is back fully from Matley, which I'm sure everyone is excited about and the spill chaos has kicked off already I got some aggressive DMs from Chelsea this morning <laughs> yeah um, the spill I like literally woke up and the spill chats between you and Chelsea were already going off about things happening in the world and I was like guys it's Friday please calm down well you know why the conversation was happening the only thing that could get her this riled up there's Taylor Swift news <laughs> so Taylor Swift's dropping four new songs tonight but they're not technically released some leaks have happened but we're going to be respectful to Taylor and talk about them when they've actually dropped and when Chelsea is on the mic because yeah, she she'll break wanted. down the door. Yeah, because we obviously record this film in the morning. This is coming out tonight and we don't want the ladies and lads who listen to the pod over the weekend, which most of them do because they're getting lit on a Friday night, I'm sure, <laughs> respect, to think that we're not across what's going on. Oh yeah, we know, but we'll chat about it later. We will. <laughs> So coming up on the show today, it's Friday. You picked a good day to be your like regular spill day. Oh yeah, the fast and loose day of the spill. <laughs> it is fast and loose and it's weekend watch. But first, the entertainment news headlines of the day. I have news. What's the hot gas? I want more headlines. So it turns out we need to talk about Ben Affleck's face again because there's new information. About the amount face. of time I spend talking about this man's face and back tattoos and coffee Me? orders takes up a lot of my life. So remember when that clip of Ben Affleck and JLo at the Grammys went viral? Yes, burnt into my brain. And we also <laughs> discussed it in depth in our Grammys special. Yes. It's weird how like he's not a musician, but he took over the news cycle around the Grammys. It was like Beyonce and then Ben Affleck. <laughs> yeah, number two. <laughs> what happened is JLo and Ben Affleck were sat together at the Grammys and the camera turned towards them and they were sort of in the background shot of where Trevor Noah was presenting. What we could see was Ben leaning into Jen and whispering something in his ear that had her literally recoil and then snap something back to him with a rather pissed off look in her face. But because we didn't know what was said, a million theories erupted. The main one was being that Ben had said he wanted to leave and Jen had barked that he needed to look like he was having a good time, which is everyone to their partner when you're trying to look good at a work event. Yes. So <laughs> relatable. But it turns out we weren't actually far off the mark. So in a new interview with The Hollywood Reporter, Ben has shared exactly what went down while desperately trying to defend that he really was having a good time at the Grammys, guys. (laughs) Here's what he said. My wife was going and I thought, well, there'll be good music. It might be fun, he told the publication. Of course there'll be good music. It's the Grammys. It's the best people in music at this time and throughout history who are performing Ben Affleck. Yeah, yeah. can you please be more enthusiastic about going to the Grammys? But then when Trevor Noah moved closer to the couple for a segment for his hosting gig, Ben panicked. 
I was like, oh God, he recalled. They were framing us in this shot, but I didn't know they were rolling. I leaned into J-Lo and was like, as soon as they start rolling, I'm going to slide away from you and leave you sitting next to Trevor. And Jennifer's response, which is golden, you better not fucking leave. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine her saying that. (laughs) And with that, a million memes were birthed. (laughs) But Ben seems pretty chill about the whole accidentally viral showdown, brushing it off as just a simple husband and wife thing. Yeah, look, I do have a bit of sympathy for the man because he was right front and centre. And despite the fact that he's an actor, he just cannot (laughs) control his facial expression. Because if you look at everyone singing the Oscars or the Emmys or the rest of the Grammy audience, the celebrities are so trained to have these like intense, creepy smiles on their Mm. face the whole time because most of them are so aware that he had caught on camera. Ben Affleck just doesn't subscribe to that school. And I also thought the stuff he said about how he's been drunk at award shows before and he thought he looked bad, but because he was smiling, people didn't notice, whereas he was sober this time. And that's when he gets called out. Yeah. I was like, just as for Ben Affleck, he just wanted to be home with a Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put the link to the Hollywood Reporter article in the show notes if you want to have a read of that later on. Now, we say this all the time, we're not a fashion podcast. (laughs) Everyone understands that. But we're going to dip a little toe into fashion because there's been some scandalous headlines that cross between the fashion world and the celebrity world. So La Roche, if you don't know that name, it's totally fine. Most of us didn't. He is a very famous fashion stylist, among being famous for dressings and day He's also styled and dressed a number of celebrities, Celine Dion, Kerry Washington, Kiki Palmer, Ariana Grande. The list goes on and on and on. And a lot of Zendaya's big red carpet looks from the last couple of years when she sort of burst out of being just a child Disney star, doing Dancing with the Stars, that was more her speed, into being a full-fledged movie star, really came from La Roche styling her in all these really iconic looks for the red carpet. He's the one that was behind the incredible Cinderella Met Gala look from Zendaya, right? The light-up dress? Yes, where the fairy godmother had the wand and then the dress lit up from inside with the smoke. Iconic styling. No notes on that one. Um, Actual fashion people, not that they listen to this podcast, are shaking their heads right now because it kind of goes back further than that. So like Mm -hmm. I said, she's coming out of being a child star, doing Dancing with the Stars, all those sorts of things. She wanted to be a serious actress. And a lot of the way that celebrities change their image or change the job offers they get or change how much money they can demand from a role comes from how they come across on a red carpet and how much press and praise they get for their looks. It's literally so, like a dress for the job you want. Kind exactly. Of yeah. And mm-hmm. it's a huge like business. It's just as important what you wear in the red carpet and how you present yourself as like a business who would pick where their advertising goes or how they choose to advertise or how they choose to present themselves to the public. You know, because a celebrity is a business. There's millions of people around them <laughs> making all those decisions. They don't do it all themselves. I know. What? Can you believe? <laughs> They're not like little solo businesses. So when LaRoche took her on, he said she'd never worn Gucci, she'd never worn Chanel, Dior, Valentino, any of those really big fashion houses. So he was really instrumental in dressing her in those really iconic designers, but also mixing it up with some new designers and also pulling a lot of vintage pieces to make these iconic looks. And that helped her transition into more of a leading lady and like the kind of style icon she is now. And it definitely worked. Like Zendaya's like renowned for her red carpet looks. She's oh, always yeah, exactly. In, I know we don't do best dress lists, but she's in them. Like oh, we know she, that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she's definitely on them. So then this week on March 14th, it was a bit of a shock through the fashion world and then a few days later us normies picked it up. <laughs> like, 
like, what? what? The stylish people are talking. Yeah, the stylish people were very upset. So LaRoche posted on Instagram, my cup is empty. Thank you to everyone who supported me and my career over the years. Every person that trusted me with that image, I'm so grateful for you all. If this business was just about the clothes, I would do it for the rest of my life, but unfortunately it's not. The politics, the lies and false narratives finally got me. You win, I'm out. And obviously just the normies were all upset, but even people like Nomi Campbell wrote, Law, I won't let you, don't quit, don't do this. British Vogue editor-in-chief Edward Anifal came out and said that he would always have a home at the magazine and also please don't quit. And then all the headlines and all the eyes and all the TikTok users, pretty much like the whole online world, just collectively started going towards Zendaya and blaming her for him retiring. And that's because their association is so tied, right? Like everyone's just like, well, that's his biggest client. So this must be all to do with her. Classic, blame the lady. Exactly. I mean, that's a very sexy headline. And like, it's true, (laughs) not to make us all sound completely basic, but I don't think a lot of us would have picked up on this as a story if the headlines hadn't had Zendaya and all the photos Mm -hmm. in the headlines. And the idea that there could be some big drama and some toxicity around a beloved actress is just a story that we all froth over. Mm -hmm. But also it was linked to a recent Louis Vuitton show. Yes. So there was a clip that was sort of filmed from behind Zendaya, who was sat on the front row at the Louis Vuitton show. LaRoche came and like said hi and almost sort of, I mean, there's no audio, but you can kind of tell that he's like, oh, where's my seat? And she points behind her. Now, obviously that seems rude (laughs) as a default, like people pleasing stance, rude, but that was his assigned seat. But then a whole internet just read into the fact that he's been sort of relegated to a row behind and he's not sat with the fashion darlings on the front row as he usually would always be. And we all know from watching fashion movies, because we never got to find it, (laughs) that sitting in the front row is the height of all kind of power Mm -hmm. and sitting the row behind is a real sign the industry doesn't value you as much. Yes. So it was a pretty like targeted kind of setup is what people were taking from it. Even though Zendaya obviously didn't do the seating plan, we just want to like flag that. She's not in control of the floor plan of these shows. And I also find it very hard to believe that someone with that amount of power and influence who has built an empire around fashion and styling, particularly being a man of colour, as we know, like a lot of other people in the industry have spoken about this, about how much the pushback is and the racial prejudice against them, that that would be the thing to tip them over the edge as an isolated incident. I was like, it's got to be more than that. Like, this is not some child we're talking about. This is the man at the height of his career. There was also speculation off the back of this that Zendaya might become a spokesperson for Louis Vuitton, meaning that the Louis Vuitton stylist would have ultimate say over what she wears and how she's styled, meaning that LaRoche won't have as much creative power. And people were speculating that that's exactly what happened with one of his previous clients, Anya Taylor-Joy, whose red carpet presence really escalated her into being an A-list actress. And when she's signed with Dior, apparently she left him out of work. That's what the fashion people are saying. Well, I think also, like, let's take a moment to unpack, like, what these fashion relationships mean to celebrities, because I feel like we're seeing more and more of them, and they're getting more criticism (laughs) than usual. So probably one of the most, like, famous examples I can think of is Margot Robbie's relationship with Chanel. So this is where a celebrity has some kind of, like, paid endorsement eternally shackled Mm. to a fashion house, which means that for all events, they're wearing their looks. So as you said, like it could be that they're working closely with the stylist, but they're pretty much always wearing that designer. Mm -hmm. Those have been great for people's careers. That has like turned people into fashion darlings, all of the good stuff. But it does make me think more about what that means for the stylists who aren't tied to a fashion house. So that's clearly partly what's happened here, where 
he might not want to dress Zendaya in Louis Vuitton until the cows come home. Like, yeah. he wants more flexibility in terms of a creative drive for her looks. Yeah, exactly. And we should say that he did come out and say, this is not about Zendaya. You're mm-hmm. all being crazy. I'm paraphrasing. But basically <laughs> said, she's my little sister. We're forever. It's not about her. That obviously hasn't stopped the speculation. But what you're saying about Margot Robbie is so interesting because her stylist, Kate Young, has taken such a beating in the press over the last couple of years because people think Margot Robbie has terrible style on every red carpet. I would argue that that's not exactly the case. It, yeah. I think she has just a, maybe a style that isn't as overly opulent and sexy as some of the characters she plays or maybe how people expect her to dress because yeah. I feel like she's a very subdued person that comes across on the red carpet. Mm-hmm. I feel like Kate Young has really taken a beating for either being a terrible stylist or people thinking that she actively hates Margot Robbie <laughs> and dresses her in bad clothing to make her look terrible, which is a very bad business decision for someone <laughs> whose entire life is about styling celebrities. But yeah, you don't want to the... be known as the stylist that sabotages their clients with clothes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just feel like it's much more intricate than what people are seeing on the surface because at the end of the day, getting one of those big spokesperson deals for an actress is what a lot of them really set their sights on mm. because it gives them a huge amount of money, which gives them a safety net to work on different projects, to invest their own money. Like Margot Robbie has a production company. She puts her own money a lot of the time into projects. She said she's taken a lot of smaller roles along with the blockbusters that she felt really comfortable doing once she got the Chanel money, like paraphrasing, Mm. because you're getting a huge passive income coming in over time. And all you have to do is just wear the clothes that they want you to on a red carpet. And if you're someone who is not overly fussed about how you look on a red carpet, like put me in a nice dress, someone do my hair, someone do my makeup. That's a, a really good business decision for someone, I think like Margot Robbie, who has a production company and is wanting to build up that side of it and not just be someone who is only known for looking good on a red carpet. Yeah. Just look at Anne Hathaway at the moment about how people are starting to fall back in love with her, even though she did nothing wrong. (laughs) And so much of that comes from the fact that she started going to so many fashion shows, Mm -hmm. sitting front row, going to events, and she's really ditched the princessy style dresses that she used to wear, all the subdued coats and stuff she used to wear. And now she's wearing really, really high fashion. And in her 40s, she's completely changed her look. And all of a sudden, everyone likes her more. That's the power of red carpet. Carpet dressing. Yeah. So anyway, at the end of the day, we don't know what's happened with LaRoche, but I think that the fact that it's all being tied to Zendaya in the media headlines just goes to show that once again, no matter what's actually happening in the bigger picture, people just want to hate on a young, successful woman at the end of the day. Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. I finished my work week on my couch. Ordered some food. It's time for Weekend Watch. Our recommendations of what to watch this weekend. Laura, it's time for my Weekend Watch. I feel like you're going to be mad at me. I've got a terrible (laughs) reputation. I won't be mad at you as long as you followed the rules that I set up. Look, I've followed the rules, but I've really dialed down the fanciness. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm about to recommend potentially the grubbiest reality show I've ever watched. Okay, hit me with it. (laughs) So... If you, like me, are no stranger to the world of reality dating shows, then you need to watch Perfect Match. There's ten of us, and we all couple up. 
now you're fighting for a spot in the house. Fair warning to all the guys in this house. Don't watch me, watch your girl. You all were asked to come here for a chance to find love. Your perfect match. Let the games begin. This is like Hunger Games for dating. Essentially, it's a dumpster fire reunion of all the people you've watched crash and burn on other reality dating shows. Oh, so like a Love Island. Well, yeah, it's basically a lot of the US and Netflix adjacent reality dating shows. So things like Love is Blind, which is the one where people propose to each other through a wall. The Ultimatum, which takes couples who think they want to break up and pair them with other people for a trial relationship. The Circle, which is that one that mimics online dating, but with like a boatload more strategic game playing. And Too Hot to Handle, which is the one where they ban everyone from having sex and then give oh, them fines. Oh, I watched the first season of that <laughs> hey. for this spill. Yeah, loved it. Beautiful All right, we've TV. got a hot one. <laughs> so the premise of it is that all of these ex-contestants from different reality dating shows are all thrown in the same house together. And they're briefed on night one by Nick Lachey because he hosts every dating show. <laughs> God, he does. Every single one. But they're all thrown into this house together and then they're briefed that if they don't establish a match every day, then they're out. You have to be coupled up or see ya. So they have to pair up with each other and then to throw things sort of like in the mix, they're given all of these different tests, specifically compatibility tests, which is my favourite brand of chaos in reality. (laughs) So the couples have to do things like blind kissing each other and ranking their snogs. And then if you've ranked your partner the highest, which you don't know because you don't know if you're kissing them, Mm. then you win the compatibility test and you unlock a secret power. Wow, it's not like flying or laser eyes or anything, is it? (laughs) No, it's much more deceitful than that. (laughs) So what happens to the winning couple each week is that they unlock the power to bring someone new into the house to potentially sabotage another couple. So they can bring someone in and be like, we think that this lady from Sexy Beast is really going to like this guy from Love is Blind. Let's bring him in and see if we can mess up their couple. So it has like an element of strategy in it. Okay. It's such a fast and loose show and all 12 episodes are available to stream on Netflix now. Well, going in a completely different way, which is the beauty of Weekend Watch, <laughs> I'm recommending a new original Australian series. So it's a new original series that's out on Prime Video today, all eight episodes, and it's called Class of 07. Everything is going to be fine, and you're going to go out there, and you're going to be normal, and you're going to have fun. You guys see it too, right? Because either there's water everywhere or this THC really is the fucking tits. <laughs> Nobody really knows what's happening right now. This is life and death shit. We are stranded. Why are you not all panicking? We panicked at 4 a.m. <laughs> you just missed it. So it was created, written, directed by Casey Anning, very talented woman. She did upload on Amazon, if you've seen that, really good show. So it's got an all-Australian cast. The lead actresses are Emily Browning, Caitlin Stacey and Megan Smart, among this like big ensemble cast of young Australian actresses. It starts off with Emily Browning's character, Zoe, gets publicly humiliated, no spoilers, this is just, you know, very top line, on this reality show, goes into hiding and then for, you know, a few different reasons has to head to her high school reunion 
in. So at the old school, which is one of those kind of fancy old boarding school types, I think we both went to all girls school. Yeah, you <laughs> yes. went to a boarding school. I was a day girl, you know, two different worlds. <laughs> and the girls are having their wild high school 10 year reunion. And so the first bit of it's all like, you know, like a fun time, like, you know, friendships have broken down, people disappeared and then came back, you know, old fights are brewing up. It's all very interesting until a massive apocalyptic tidal wave pretty much destroys the entire earth. But because the school is up on a mountain, half of it survives. So then you have all these girls who went to high school together, but are now adults, trapped in their former school and have to come together and find a way to survive the apocalypse. It's just as funny as it sounds. (laughs) I found the dialogue really smart and funny. And as someone who went to an all-girls school, I was watching it thinking, I know all of these girls, like all the cliques, all the stereotypes, how you can go from like a fight that turns physical to hugging, laughing and crying. There's some really like beautiful moments. There are some wildly funny moments. And it kind of goes to show that when you're with your high school friends, even 10 years later, you do regress back into like the way you were, the things that made you laugh. It's just really funny. And the fact that they're trying to survive this apocalypse while all their high school beefs are coming back up to the surface is just so good. So I thought it was a really interesting Australian series, like the creative team behind it. It's really nice to see all of these young women on screen together and having these big comedy moments that you don't always see. I also can't remember the last time I watched a show where it was just 10 women on screen. Yeah, so true. You know, all different caricatures, you know, the bad girls, the good girls, but all kind of coming together. Like they all kind of leave those stereotypes as the show goes along. And I did have some genuinely like laugh out loud moments because high school girls are funny. Even ones who are like 10 years out of high school. They're funny and triggering. Oh, yeah. I was scared of high school girls when I was in high school and watching them go back into their cliques and bring up old things. I was like, oh. Anyway, Class of 07, it's out today. All eight episodes on Prime Video. It's such a nice little kind of fun, cute binge watch for your weekend. Well, thank you so much for listening to The Spill today. Katie will be back next Friday. Will she bring a better recommendation? No, she won't. Maybe she won't. (laughs) This episode of The Spill was produced by myself, Laura Brodnick, and Gia Moylan with audio production by Leah Porges. And we'll see you on mamamia.com.au and over on The Spill Instagram. Bye. Bye.